service. Amen. Pray you'll enter in, giving God some glory this morning. Amen. We welcome you if you're joining by way of the internet. Just enter in with us and create an atmosphere in your home. Amen. God will touch you. I believe it. Let's sing this song together, The Power of Your Love. Lord, I come to you and let my heart be changed and renewed. And Lord, I've come to know the weaknesses I see in me will be stripped away. the power of your love and hold me close oh let your love surround me oh breathe breathe oh draw me Oh, and 
no one else can touch my heart like you do. And I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. One more time now. Oh, there is none like you. Jesus, Lord, and I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. KFC, please, I just want to be where you are, amen. And I just want to be where you are, dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar, oh, here to where you are. I just want to be where you are In your dwelling place forever And take me to the place where you are I just want to be I want to be where you are, dwelling in your presence, and feasting at your table, surrounded by your glory, oh, in your presence, that's where I just want to be, I just want to be with you. Sing it again now. I just want to be where you are, oh, dwelling daily in your presence. Draw me near to where you are I just want to be where you are In your dwelling place forever Take me to the place where you are I just want to be with you. I want to be where you are, dwelling in your presence, oh, feasting at your table, surrounded by your glory. 
special needs that we have on your heart. <clears throat> Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Mark Sylvester if you would be ready to take these to the Lord for us. Amen. I have uh, the Paschal family here are not with us. Amen. Brother Joseph is not feeling well and if you would remember him in prayer. Amen. Also, Brother Matt Cross, not with us today. He's in Arizona, if you would remember him. I have also Sister Tracy Rabin on the list here. She's not feeling well. I think she's dealing with a cough. And so if you would remember her. Remember my Aunt Sherry in prayer, Sister Holly. Uh, she's very sick. Um, she has the virus. And I pray that you would just keep her in your prayers. She needs a healing touch from the Lord. Amen. We want to remember Brother Tom Ward. He is recovering from his surgery. Amen. So if you would pray for that special need. Amen. Brother David Whitlock also is requesting prayer for his sister. You know the condition there uh, with the emergency surgery that she had to go through. So please remember her in your prayers. Amen. That's all I have at this time. Do you have unspoken prayer requests? By uplifted hands. Amen. God knows your need and we're going to pray with you, friend. Come on, Brother Mark. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, it's good to be in your house this morning, Lord, to feel your presence and to rejoice, Lord, in these songs that we sing to you, Father, from our hearts. Lord, how we thank you, Lord. It's it's good to serve the one true and living God, Lord. There's no other, no other, no other like you, Father. And Lord, your keeper of covenants and promises, Lord, there's none other like you. And it gives us confidence, Lord, when we come asking, requesting, Lord, these needs, Lord, that we present to you today, Lord. They give us confidence that you will answer, Lord, and keep your word, Father. We pray that you'll continue to touch Brother Ward, Lord, who's just had surgery, Lord, and strengthen him, that he'll be back with us soon, Lord. And we pray that... Sister Rabin, Lord, that you continue to touch her, Lord, recovering from the virus. And the different ones also that was mentioned, Lord. Pascal, Brother Joe, and Matt Cross, and um, Sister Sherry, Lord. And we pray that you will touch them all, Father. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather again, Lord. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you will watch over each one, Lord, and keep them safe. And Lord, we pray as your word comes this morning, as your servant comes, Lord, that you'll take the reins, Lord. And every word that's spoken, Lord, we pray that you'll personally take it and direct it to each heart, Father. And address each need, every, each fear, anxiety, or whatever it may be, Lord. That when we leave here this morning, we leave rejoicing, saying that we've heard from you, Father. Grant it, Lord. We thank you 
for all you've done for us and for watching over us and for being the good God that you are, Father. For we know that you watch over this little bride, Lord, to have our best interests at heart, Father. We commit everything into your hands. Give you all glory and praise. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Keith has a special for us. He wants to go ahead with that. Amen. Have a just a quick announcement here as he's making ready. This is a uh, announcement to remember to sign up for the fellowship dinner, the fall fellowship dinner. Uh, it's next next Sunday. If you plan on attending, uh, please sign up in the library, and we will need a head count man for that event. So if you could remember to sign up if you plan to attend, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Amen. I love this old, old song. I've been singing it this week. I'm sure it's been a, a stressful week for most people. But if there's ever an old song that the words to this song really speaks about this time, it's this one. And just Help me sing it if you would. We all know it. We sing it here as a congregation, but I just really like it. Pay really close attention to these words. Just hold to God's unchanging hand. Listen to these words, and it will comfort your heart. Time is filled with swift transition. Thank you. 
pastor to come at this time. Let's sing a little song through it all. Learn to trust in Jesus. Amen. Key of F, I think. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Oh, I've learned Trust in God Through it all Through it all I've learned to depend upon His Word I've had many tears and sorrows I've had questions for tomorrow There were times I didn't know right from wrong 
But in every situation, God gave me consolation that my trials only come to make me strong. could I know with faith in my God could do. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Through it all. Oh, yes. Oh, through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. Oh, I've learned to trust in Hallelujah. Oh, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Oh, I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, oh, through 
sing. As our pastor comes forward, man, I believe all hearts and minds are ready for the word. Amen. Let's sing the little song, I Sing Praises to Your Name. Amen. I sing praises to Your name. Oh, Lord, praises to Your name. Oh, Lord, for Your name is great and greatly to be praised. I sing praises to Your name. Oh, Lord, praises to I sing praises to your name, oh Lord, praises to your name, oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name. seated this morning. We welcome all of you to the house of the Lord. If you can just wait for one moment here real quickly, we want to just jump in to uh, give you a couple of very quick announcements and then we're going to have a word of prayer. Uh, Today is Sister um, Melody Cross's birthday. Not sure if the Crosses are here, uh, but Sister Melody's birthday is today. November 11th is Aiden Stevens' birthday, right? God bless you. How old are you, Aiden? Twelve, really? God bless you. November 12th is Brother Bill Walters' birthday. Brother Bill Walters is having some problems with his back and the compression that uh, happens to many of us, and uh, it's pretty severe. And so we want to remember Brother Bill and just pray that the Lord will undertake for him. November 13th is Sister Julia Claybill's birthday, right? God bless you, Sister Julia. And November 14th is Josiah Mayle's birthday, right? How old? Four years old. God bless you, buddy. I trust the Lord will give you a wonderful day. Last week we prayed for uh, a caregiver who looks after, helps with look after Brother Fulcher, and her son was involved in an emergency surgery. It was brought to a... Uh, brought to hospital in Richmond, and uh, he is—he uh, had a rupture, and they did a, a, a surgical repair there, and he is doing very well. And they, the family asked us to uh, pass that along and thank you for uh, thank the church for bringing that before the Lord, and uh, wanted to pass that along. And I think it's a good thing uh, to uh, pass those things back so that we can know how what the outcome uh, actually is. 
There are three cases here uh, with the virus that I wanted to mention to you. One of them is uh, Sister Becky's, is it a cousin? Judy, is a, is a, it's not a cousin. Okay. It's a relative of Sister Becky, and his name is John Rodriguez, and he has a heart uh, condition. And he is in pretty serious condition, so we want to remember him in prayer. Uh, the McCafferty's have a friend, Kay Barber, who is in Tucson uh, in ICU due to the virus. And then also as well the Carter family, and uh, we mentioned them uh, once already. Uh, they are in Brother Jason's church in Beaufort, South Carolina, and there's three of them that are in hospital. They're all three doing very, very poorly. And uh, Brother Jason sent out word and asked us could we just uh, ramp it up just a little bit more to remember them in prayer. Uh, sister Carter is just a very special person. She was uh, the sister, uh, lived up in Pennsylvania and had seven boys, six boys. She had five boys. She had a bunch of boys. She had seven boys, right? Right. And and her and her husband, and they're all very fine fellows, and, and uh they decided to have one more, hoping that they would have a girl. And so she got expecting, and they were excited about it, and wound up having triplet boys. <laughs> triplet boys. So they have ten boys in the family. Some people have all the luck, I'll tell you that. And, uh, but Sister Carter is uh, quite sick in the hospital, her husband as well, and uh, one of the boys, and uh, we'd ask you to remember them in prayer. Their situation is, is serious, so we want to uh, take that before the Lord, if you don't mind. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. <clears throat> Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. I'd like you to just take a moment now this morning, and I want you just to um, just think about this, all right? Just, just for a moment here, let's kind of block everything else out. And let's just bring our needs before him. And if you have a request this morning, when we bow our heads and close our eyes, just lift your hands and just say, Lord Jesus, that's me. And I just would desire a touch. He doesn't, doesn't always need to be spoken. It doesn't always need to be put up here. But it, it's the conveyance that comes by faith. When we bring it to him in faith, that's what's important. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, you see our needs, Lord. You see our hands raised. You see us as we approach you this morning in faith and believing, Lord Jesus, that your mercy extends to us even today. The Bible says that your mercies are new every day. And now in the name of Jesus Christ, I commit the people and their needs to you, knowing and trusting, Lord, that you care about everything we go through. You're a God who of compassion and a God of mercy. You're a God who heals. You're a God who made a way for healing. You're a God of hopeless cases. You're a God of second chances. You're a God who loves us even when we were unlovable. You're a God who embraces us even with our mistakes. In the name of Jesus, I just ask that you would come and move among us in a special way, Lord. Take control of this service. Take control of what I say and what we do. 
And Lord, may we just lock in, may we just focus upon the promises that are given to us, Lord, especially for this hour and for these needs that we have brought before you. There are many, but Lord, we know you are not easily intimidated, so we can come and ask big. We pray, Lord, especially for Sister Carter today. And Lord, knowing her situation is serious, I commend her to you now in the name of Jesus. Curse this virus, all that it has done to people. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would just raise her up, Lord. Touch the other members of the family. Lord, this Kay Barber that we've been asked to pray for. John Rodriguez, Lord, and Father, the many others that are not here, we just ask now that you would just draw close to them, Lord, and may your healing virtue flow to them. And for us who are here, Lord, I pray that you would forgive us of anything that might in any way hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit. In any way, Lord, have caused you to be grieved or moved back. And Lord, I pray that you would just move from vessel to vessel today. Be present in this place. We give our time to you now. In Jesus' lovely name. Amen. Heal me. And I will be healed. Save me. And I. here, and I want you to hold on to that as we look into the Word this morning. Brother Roger, I'd like to say it's good to see you standing there. God bless you. We have sure missed you, and I'm glad you're here and well today, and may God bless you. And uh, you've been in our thoughts and prayers uh, over this last, uh, for, the, for the year, and it's good to have you with us. Just one simple reminder uh, for those of you that are going to be able to be with us next Sunday, we're looking forward to a just a nice, simple time of fellowship. Uh, please sign up because we want to make sure everybody's uh, counted for for dinner next Sunday. And it's going to be 
all catered for you, all taken care of, and you just need to show up. And um, we, we trust that the weather will be good and everything else will work out uh, real fine so we'll be able to have a little gathering. So that sign-up sheet is in the lobby or in the library, one of the, one, one of the places out there. But we, we have to know today. Luke chapter 7. <clears throat> now when he had ended his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion's son who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. It's a Roman soldier now. It's a Gentile. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy, that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. And then Jesus went with them. And he was, and, and when he was now not far from the house, a centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, Trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldst enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. But say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. I didn't feel that I was worthy really to come to even myself. But you got the message. You're here. Now just say in a word what needs to be said. And my servant will be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. That's a great, that's a, that's a great story. But what I love is Jesus' reaction to it. That's what's important. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And he turned him about, grabbed him by the shoulders probably, turned him around, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. Father, we ask your blessing now upon the word. We give you this time together. Pray that you would do with the Lord what you would desire. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All week long I was thinking a little bit about what I said last Sunday when we talked in Ezra how that the people prospered in the prophesying of Haggai. Haggai and Nehemiah were the leaders in the rebuilding of the temple, and they were prophesying, and they were speaking as spokesmen, if you like, for God. And the people believed that. The people believed what was being said. They believed that it was from God. And it says as a result of that, they prospered at the the prophesying of Haggai. And as a result of their believing in that and embracing what the prophets had said, they, they began to work. They, they, they set to work and did the rebuilding and uh, the, the response that they had as a result of their embracing that was, 
was, uh, you know, their, their labors, their, their desire to fulfill what was, they were commissioned to do. And I believe that whenever, uh, whenever we embrace the things that God has said, then I, I think it is a, um, it's, it's something that's, uh, correspondingly, it inspires us. You know, when we, when we embrace the things that God has said, it inspires us and it motivates us. And when we act in faith and we act believing that God truly has spoken to us, there's something about this response of God that comes, like in the case of the centurion, there's something about that response that uh, is, is just a powerful thing to see how Jesus reacted to this man. This man's not even a believer. He doesn't even feel personally that he can go to Jesus, but he sends somebody else to go. And these elders go to Jesus, and then Jesus comes along. And so he's, he's in a sense, he's a step removed from the whole thing because he's a Gentile and all the rest of it. And he's a Roman soldier. Roman soldiers are looked down upon and all of that. And yet he gets the message to Jesus. Jesus gets the message and responds to it. But when he hears what he has to say, then Jesus takes this man and makes him an example, and he turns him around and faces the crowd and says, yeah, I've not heard anything like this, he said in Israel. Such great faith. I want to talk to you today about great faith. And I want to keep this real simple and I want to keep this real short. And I'd like to pray today for some of you that uh, have needs today. And we're even going to do it afterwards. We're going to shut down the Internet. So we're going to pray a little bit and, uh, and talk a little bit at the, at the end of the service here today. We want to do that. Caroline, we want to remember your friend Taylor. And I, I forgot to mention that she's still in the hospital. And uh, we, she's the one that we prayed and for last week and gave the prayer cloth. And uh, we want to remember uh, that need as well. And then also Brother David's sister uh, had the surgery amputation this week. And uh, we just uh, trust that the Lord will undertake for her. That's a very traumatic thing uh, to have to go through. Now, <clears throat> I, I want to keep this really simple. And I have, uh, if you could see my uh, desk up here, I have just have all kinds of things uh, that are that are here that I want to say, but I'm, I'm just going to. I've just been pondering on this all week that if uh, if if these promises are true and these things that are really true, and we believe the things that prophets have told us, like the people in Haggai's day did, then uh, we want to act accordingly. We want to act correctly, and we want to expect the response of God to come as a result of that. I was listening to Perfect Faith coming in this morning, and Brother Branham talking in 1963. And he, uh, he was talking about how that, uh, you know, the church, we kind of need to move out into this realm, a little deeper water. And he said we need to rub out some of the make-believe. And he says, and move into this deeper understanding of faith. And if that's true, then it's really high time we talked about that. And uh, I believe that, you know, faith comes by hearing. And we've been, we've been privileged to uh, hear many good things and many good sermons and many good thoughts out of the Scripture and, uh, out of the message of the hour and has become more clear to us. But uh, for me, I just, and I just have this longing in my own heart uh, to see the word work more thoroughly and, and more perfectly among us. And, and that's going to involve not just me. Real good preaching is a help, but real good preaching itself doesn't really do a whole lot, doesn't produce a whole lot, unless it falls in the receptive hearts. And it turns into a great tree that has, uh, you know, has fruits. And, and so that's, that's really my goal. That's really what we want to deal with. I have a, a need, and I, I want to just bring this very simply to you. And that is, uh, a little while ago, you remember I had a, a surgery done on my hand here in carpal tunnel, and I had a 
a nerve, a funny bone uh, nerve, the ulnar nerve, and had that surgery done. I don't know who in the world came up with the phrase, the funny bone, uh, because when that nerve goes bad, it isn't funny at all. At all. But uh, nonetheless, it was, it was pretty painful. And so uh, since then, um, I'm thankful that, you know, that's, that's kind of healed up and that's been good. But since then, I've had problems with both my hands, and I, 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 I can't figure that out. Uh, and part of it is called what, what they refer to as a trigger finger, and uh, where my hands click and so forth, and I, I drop things. I think I have them, and I drop them, and uh, it's just not uh, ordinary. And I don't know what it is, but, you know, I've found that um, over, the, over my years that my hands are very useful, and I use them all the time. And uh, so I'm constantly reminded of the, uh, the, just the pain, the stiffness, and the clicking that goes on. And not be, in the mornings, I've got to work my hands really slowly and carefully to get them to open up because it's, it's just not right. And uh, they want to send me to a specialist, a surgeon, and they, it's not a major thing, they, they think, uh, in order to fix it. But uh, if I could, I'd, I'd just like to avoid that. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I just thought this morning, I just felt coming down the road, I thought I'd bring this to you and just ask you to, uh, I'm going to get on, on this prayer list, if that's all right. And I'd like you to pray for me because I, I, could, I could use these a little bit, a little bit longer. They're very handy. Now, you may have a need this morning in your heart, and you may have a need in your body. You may have a, a, a need, and a, there's a purpose for you being here today. And uh, I would just encourage you to uh, just hold that need. And uh, like Brother Mark prayed this morning, and I was really touched by that, he said that God is a keeper of covenants and a keeper of his promises. And I believe that with all my heart, and I just trust that the Lord will undertake for us. Now, Sister Judy Arnold sent me a little statement here, and I wanted to read it to you this morning because sometimes we think, well, things happen in the world, and we get discouraged and frustrated and all the rest of it, and things happen sometimes in our lives, and we get frustrated. And, and uh, some of you have gone through things uh, recently, and, uh, you know, you, you don't always see your way out. You don't always see your way clear. But uh, she sent me a little quotation from Charles Spurgeon, and it, and it reads like this, only a sentence or two. He says, Cheer up, Christian. Things are not left to chance. No blind fate rules the world. God has purposes, and these purposes are fulfilled. God has plans, and these plans are wise, and they can never be dislocated. Let me say that again. Cheer up, Christian. Things are not left to chance. No blind fate rules this world. God has purposes. And these purposes are fulfilled. God has plans, and these plans are wise. and can never be dislocated. I think that's true. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, this, this little phrase, great faith. And I want to give you three things that are relative to great faith, three things that we see that are consistent uh, with the subject of great faith. But again, now, I just want you to hold on and brace yourself because I'm not going to be long here. Brother Branham said, this old world is, is judgment ripened. This old world is judgment ripened. And it won't be long till it's over. But Father, while the visitation is here, while things are going on, grant that your children will see, Lord, quickly. And may great faith be built, translating faith 
Great faith that will make the people be ready for the great translation. What a great prayer. May, may great faith be built and translating faith. Great faith that will make the people be ready for the great translation. I think that's a great prayer. I think that's a great goal for all of us. Now, I've read you the little statement several times here in talking about this whole idea of the great and final exodus that we are a part of. Uh, faith is, is the component uh, that was tied to Enoch's departure, uh, and it also will link us to ours. Faith is the component that linked Enoch to his departure. Right? Because by faith, God took him. By faith, he was translated. Faith is also the thing that's going to link you to your translation. Faith is a connecting link. It's the thing that's going to cause it to happen. And so therefore, when Brother Branham talks about great faith, and Jesus talks about great faith here, it is not just great faith for healing, but we have a need of great faith in our day because we are going to transcend gravity, we're going to transcend these bodies, we're going to transcend this earth, and we're going to leave here. As we've said before, and we don't need to reiterate this, but things are going to get worse, much worse for the people of the world and the people who are left behind. But for us, we have a bright future. We have great promises and we have great hope for going forward. But it is going to be great faith that links you to that great world that's coming. Not your works, not your display of power, not your knowledge. It's going to be your faith that connects you with that world over there. And so... There are times when, in this life, when, you know, there, uh, there, there are seasons where things happen to us, again, that we don't always understand. Uh, you remember when Jesus was uh, over on the side of, of uh, Israel and did the great miracle of turning the loaves and fishes in, into uh, enough to feed everybody who was there at the meeting. And then after that time, he sent the disciples. He said, you know, get in the boat and go across to the other side. We'll meet you on the other side. And, of course, the storm came up, and they, they really had kind of missed the lesson of the loaves and fishes, really. But uh, they got to the other side of the commission. They got to the other side of the lake there and uh, the other side of the sea. And uh, they needed to understand and they needed to realize that uh, the power that they had laid in their commission. The power they had laid in their commission. And uh, Jesus is not always in the boat, Right? He's not always in the boat when you're traveling. He's not always in the boat when trouble comes. I mean, it seems like he's not always, you know, physically present there for the disciples. But yet he was watching over them. He always is watching over us. And he cares about all the kinds of things that we go through. And uh, Brother Branham is, uh, you know, he, he, he describes this, as I mentioned to you before, in Jehovah Jireh. He says now, in this last day, he said that, and I'm just going to paraphrase a little bit, he said, now I think the church has got to come to that, to that rapturing faith like Enoch had. And we trust that God will give us great faith. And, and tomorrow, he said, that there wouldn't be a feeble person in the building when they come through for prayer. He said, we'll just believe that. Now, there are times when, uh, when, when it come, whenever we mention the subject of faith, uh, we, we feel like there has to be uh, an instant result. That we feel like there has to be something that immediately happens. It does not always happen that way. It, we know that it doesn't always happen that way, correct? There are things that we pray for that we don't always even see until, uh, until sometimes many years later, many, many months later. We don't always see that. But I, I want you to just be mindful of one statement here that I want to bring, and, and this is out of the Church Age book uh, series, the, the Revelation of Jesus Christ series. 
And Brother Branham says that the manna that God uh, gives to us, the manna, that the, the hidden manna that was referred to in the book of Revelation, he said it isn't given to all the congregation. And the revelation is poured out upon the angel of the church, the revelation of the word. The manna isn't, he said, given to all the congregation, but he said it's poured out. There's a, the revelation is poured out upon the angel of the church, the revelation of the word. The revelation of the word is given to the angel for that age. It's hidden and revealed, revealed back later on. And he said, but it's addressed to the angel of the church. He said, it's a little bigger revelation of what Christ is. It's a higher call. Now, let me explain that just for very briefly here. There are certain promises that God holds back and gives to certain prophets or messengers in a particular season. Right? He doesn't give that message personally to everybody, but he gives that, he pours out that uh, understanding, that anointing on the messenger. And the messenger brings it to the, to the church or the believers of that time. Then it becomes our promise, right? As we believe that. But the word of the Lord comes to a prophet. So God doesn't come to each one of us and give us a unique revelation here. He didn't come to you and give you a revelation of the seven seals individually and personally. You know, like God shows up in, in Brother Bram's room, like, uh, you know, to give the understanding. You know what I'm talking about. But once he gives that, once a, a messenger gives that, and God raises up that messenger, anoints that messenger, reveals to him the thing that's been hidden, and then he preaches that, let me tell you, it becomes our property then, doesn't it? It becomes ours to embrace, ours to believe. And when we believe those things that a prophet has said, then God will, uh, God will honor that. God will bless that like he did with the believers back in the days of Haggai. And so God will honor that. that that's, a, that's a promise that we can embrace that's true. And so there are, there are promises that have been made real to us in this last day. And I believe that one of the things that God did in our time was to prove that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That if he was a healer, he still is a healer. And if he's a miracle worker back there in the Bible, he still is a miracle worker today. That everything that God ever was, he still is. And everything that God ever did, he can still do. He can turn water into wine. He can take the storm out of the storm. Uh, he can make the seas calm. He can do uh, whatever he needs to do in order to meet the need of the hour, to meet the need of the people who, who, are, who are believing. Isn't that true? He still is that today. And, and in this last day, God didn't demonstrate that with everybody in Brother Branham's day. He dealt with a prophet to prove that that's true. But now we are observers of that, and we are believers of that. Then we have the right to be able to call on God and say, Hey, those promises are given to believers. You demonstrated it in the life of a prophet, but that promise is still ours. Because if Jesus is not uh, here in the way, well, let's say this. If Brother Branham is not here today, that does not make the promise any less powerful. That's what I'm trying to say. Just because Brother Branham's not physically here in the ship with us, because if he was, we'd be running to him with every problem we had. But because he's not here in the ship with us, that does not mean that God is still not everything he was and everything that he demonstrated to be in this present hour. Are we okay? He He still is all of that because we have been given a commission. We are the people who take the book and eat the book and prophesy again in the last day until the bride leaves this earth and uh, takes, uh, takes off from here. We are the people that have those promises uh, that are given to us. And I, I, I want you to understand that just because Brother Branham's not here doesn't mean that God's power has diminished at all. 
He deals with a prophet in a unique way, but he deals with us in a unique way as well. Even though we're not prophets here, but we are believers, right? We are believers. And because that's true, then we have a right to claim those things that are ours. Now, number one, number one thing that I want to say this morning here is that real faith, and this is, these are real simple things here. This whole, this whole thing is going to be really simple. And let me just get that out of the way. Number one, real faith acknowledges the word. Real faith acknowledge, great faith acknowledges the word first. So let's, let's use a little statement here and, and uh, a little story that's found in the scripture in, in Mark chapter 7. And this is the Syrophoenician woman who comes to Jesus and she's a, because she's a Syrophoenician woman, uh, she has a daughter who's possessed with a devil. And he asked Jesus for the healing of her daughter. But he said to her, hey, let the children first be filled. It is not meet for the, uh, to take the children's bread and cast it under the dog. Do you remember that story? And Brother Branham says it this way. He said that Syrophoenician woman was persistent, he said, to come to Jesus. And she, she had a daughter who had epilepsy. And though she was not even a Jew, and the revival wasn't to her people, then he got, she got to him, and he gave the response that he did, and she said, that's truth, Lord. What you've said is truth. And he said, see how real faith will always witness the word to be true. Real faith, great faith, will witness the word to be true. And, and he, she, she said, truth, Lord, but the dogs are willing to eat the scraps that are under the master's table. And he said, for this saying, this, this child is healed. And she got it the same way because she was persistent. So the conditions are not great. The conditions are not uh, favorable for her, uh, but she's acknowledging the truth. It would be just like him saying to us, you know what, uh, you're nothing but a bunch of sinners. You know what, that's true. We are sinners, but thank God we're saved by the grace of God, right? But you know what, that's true. And, and you've all made, I mean, he could move among us and say, you've all made mistakes this week. We'd have to say, true Lord. But you know what? We've been, we've been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've, we've put those uh, sins under the blood. We've put all of our mistakes under the blood. And we've asked forgiveness for that. And we believe that by faith, that when we do that, and we're zealous to repent, that he removes our transgressions far from us, as far as the east is from the west. How many of you are glad for that? And we can stand justified as though we never did it in the first place. When we, when we confess those sins and they're dipped in the bleach of the blood of Jesus Christ, then you know what? They're not held against us anymore. Truth, Lord, I make lots of mistakes. And I'm sorry for the mistakes that I've made. But you know what? If, 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 we, if we stop coming to God on the basis of our performance, none of us would ever go to God and ask for anything. Just like this Syrophoenician woman, when Jesus said what he did to her, that, uh, you know, hey, th- this, is, this is not for, for the dogs here. And, and, and if she just took that and said, well, you know what, he's really saying something that's true, but if that's the way he feels about it, I'm out of here. And she doesn't, she's persistent, because truth, uh, a great faith will always acknowledge the truth of the Word of God. And she stayed right there with it, because she knew he had what she had need of. And she was persistent in her faith and, and stood there until he got, she got that word from him. Brother Branham said, and understand, he said, the, he said, in understanding the angel of God, this is a little tip that he gives us here. Sometimes when a blessing is pronounced on you, he may not be, it may not be that he gets to you right then. It may not be just instant healing. But as you believe, your faith will make you whole. 
It may not be instant healing. But as you believe, your faith will make you whole. Some people have spontaneous faith, great faith. That He said that's deep, and he said sometimes a miracle takes place. Some people have faith that's that deep, and he said it'll take a little while. And some have mustard seed faith, very little. But just stay with it. It'll bring you out. It will materialize. No matter how big your faith actually is, and if you've only got little faith, just feed it well, nurture it, and just protect it, and just watch what God does with it. And he says, if you have it, no matter how great it is, and no matter what the, uh, what the, the, the size of the need is, just hang on to that little faith that you have. And he says, it'll materialize. It'll work for you. Do you believe that? Some of you had a better week than other people. And for the people who didn't have a good week, I just want you to know if you came here with just a scrap of faith, hang on to it. You're in the right place. And we're going to do everything we can just to fertilize it and let it grow a little bit so that you can receive what you have need of. I will tell you that when you're sick or when you're depressed or when you're oppressed and when you're discouraged and when you're uh, criticized and when you feel like, man, there's no hope and there's no end in sight, when you feel, when you feel that way and you're down, or when you're in a hospital, or when you're stressed to the point where uh, things seem to be falling apart and you've run out of resources, it's not an easy thing for you to pray during those times. How many would agree? It's not easy to have great faith muscles and reach out and say, Lord, I feel terrible. That's why we need one another. That's why we need the body of Christ. And that's why God plugged you into a body that, by, by, by God's grace, we don't all feel bad the same day. We don't all feel bad during the same season, right? And there are some of us who are here ready to take on the devil and ready to pray and ready to move into the throne room of God on behalf of uh, the needs that they know about. Let me tell you, that's the way God ordered the body. I'm glad we have that. I'm glad we have each other. I'm glad we have, uh, you know, enough faith and confidence that we can bring our, re- our petitions to God before the assembly. I often ask people, if they, if they tell me something that's going on, I often ask them, the first question is, is it all right if I tell the saints? Is it all right if I tell the folks? People who are, uh, you know, uh, uh, who will email me or ask me in different places in the world, and I'll ask them, is it all right? And the reason I'm asking is because I believe our, our congregation are a praying congregation. And some of you have, you know, like Sunday night, have written back to me or texted back and said, what was the name of that person that we were praying for this morning? Didn't get it all written down here, and I want to know who it is, because you're making prayer lists there. And I appreciate that very much. And I tell people, hey, we are a believing congregation because we're believers. And we're a praying uh, congregation because we believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God's Word says it, it's not dependent on how we feel about it. It's because God's Word says it. That's why we embrace it, and that's why we get down on our knees and pray. Are we okay? We're going to put God's Word first. The second thing I want to say is this, is that real faith, or great faith, doesn't allow fear to lead. Great faith does not allow fear to lead. I like what Brother Branham says about uh, about Moses, and he says that God had called him from his birth, and he put great qualities in him of great faith, and came down, he said, in his presence, and anointed that at the burning bush, and sent him down to Pharaoh, and so forth. And he said, God, uh, what Moses said, God honored, and he describes all of that as you're familiar with it. And then he said, because Moses had that great faith, he said that God put that in him. And we should not think that uh, faith comes because we strive at it, or we work at it, or uh, we have more power, or we have more knowledge. It doesn't come that way. 
We don't work ourselves up into it like Brother Man taught us. Faith comes by hearing. And the thing for you to do is just to sur- surrender to God, just surrender that need to God, and to believe. In the Old Testament, right, in the Old Testament, there were provisions that were made, things that they had to do uh, in order to bring their sacrifice, that they had to shed uh, the blood of an animal in order to temporarily cover their sins. They were not forgiven. The sin was still there. But there was a temporary delay of judgment because the blood of an animal was spilled, right? And Jesus took care of that because by his offering of sin, the sin question was settled. Isn't that right? So he took care of that. Then also we know that uh, back in the Old Testament that, that we, uh, we see the people that when they went into the uh, courtyard of, of the temple, you know, inside the tent walls, they went in there and they, they had to wash. The first thing they had to do was the, they had to wash. Because in, in, the, in the place of the congregation, the place of people, there's always influences there. And isn't it true that even today still we are, we are influenced by things around us that happen, Right? We don't always live 24-7 in the presence of God. We're around people. You're around the Internet. Right? We just come through a messy election. And, you know, you're just, you're just having to... It's a good thing to wash ourselves clean of that. And I say, I say even today, Lord, even though we physically don't have water here today, I say, Lord, wash us clean. Wash those things away. Wash those, wash those temptations away. Wash those thoughts away. Wash all those uh, things that I, I saw or clicked on or people were involved in. And, and it's happening all around me here because we live in a fallen world. We live in an immoral world. We live in a world that's falling apart. And all those different things that are out there and all those different uh, voices that that are uh, able to be heard out there. Lord, wash those away, because I don't want to go into the presence of God. And this is what the washing was for, was to prepare you to go into the presence of God. I don't want to go into the presence of God with all that stuff on me. Lord, wash it away. And I pray, God, come and wash this congregation today. And wash every one of us and just cleanse us from all of that this week. How many of you got a couple of things this week that you experienced that you'd like to leave behind and watch go down the drain pipe? Lord, wash us of those things that now we can proceed and go into the presence of God. Every one of us would have that desire. But we don't physically wash anymore with water, but rather we wash with the washing of the water of the Word. We know also that, that's why Jesus said to the disciples, He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which was the the wrong stuff that comes from the religious world. And then he also warned the people to watch. The, he said, beware of the leaven of, of Herod and the cosmos around you and the, the political thing and all of that. And to wash those things away and take those things away because they are, they are not, they're not needed to enter into the presence of God. He's really, he really wants to deal with you. He really wants you to come in there. Not you and all the stuff that we experience in the world. He wants you to come in there. And sometimes the very first step that we have to take is just say, Lord, wash me clean of everything that doesn't belong. Real faith doesn't allow fear to lead. Brother Branham says that Moses, he said he went into there and he said he could say no to the present world and make a righteous choice. Moses, he was empowered enough. God had put things in him and then met God at the burning bush and that was quickened. And he said then he was able to look at the present world and make a righteous choice. And he chose to suffer affliction by the, with the children of God. He said he saw the promise and he saw over in tomorrow and let his faith loose. 
He actually said he didn't pay any attention to what his eyes saw in the possibilities here that it was going to be the next Pharaoh. But he looked plumb over into tomorrow. Oh, he said, if people could only look not at this present world, but he says, your eyes lift up from that and look at the promise of God way over in tomorrow. That's what Moses did. He let his faith look, uh, lift up and look beyond the current circumstance and look beyond into that world that's coming. You know, Brother Branham said the same thing about your healing. He said, you need to envision a whole body, a perfect body, a healthy body. And he says, look to that and then walk towards that. You're not looking at anything that you can see at the moment, but you're, you, by faith, you know, there's a, uh, you know, there's healing atonement made. And by faith, you know that there's a perfect body on the other side. He says, set your sights on that and walk towards that and get your eyes off the current dilemma that we we live in. And that's what Moses was able to do. He was able to lift his eyes above that and he was able to look beyond all of that into the world that was coming. Brother Bram tells this little story about uh, when King George visited Canada years ago and he was out, made a tour and visited a couple of the key cities. And he was in Vancouver Vancouver, uh, on one of the last stops of of the journey. And Brother Bam tells this little story of how that they let all the kids out of school and gave them all a Canadian flag, and they waved it. Well, it would have been a British flag right back then, King George. And they had the, uh, the, the Union Jack, and they all stood by the side of the road, and they waved the, the flags there. And after school, they herded everybody back to the classroom. And one teacher uh, noticed that one of the little girls was missing. And uh, she went and searched for the little girl and looked and looked and looked and finally went back to where they all were at the, at the parade uh, site and where all the class was standing. And she found this little girl and uh, she was huddled behind a telephone pole. And she was so little she could hide behind it. And the teacher heard her crying and she found her and she said, hey, what's wrong? And she said, what, what are you upset about? We just saw the king, you know, we waved our flags. And she said, well, teacher, she said, I waved the flag and I looked right at him and I shouted with everybody else. But she said, I saw him, but he didn't see me. And she was upset and she hid behind the pole. Brother Branham said this. He said that may be true about King George, but he said it isn't true about King Jesus. He said he's always ready, and he always watch, watches every little move you make, and he loves you. Many times, he said, God meets in great congregations, but he also meets in small congregations. One time he met with 500. Again, he met with 70 with 12, with 3, and even 1. He said, no matter how small the congregation is, God always will meet you when you have a need. God will always meet you when you have a need. And believe that He will be there because He made the promise, where two or three are gathered in my name, there will I be. So God meets with great congregations, and he meets with small congregations. It just doesn't matter. Just wherever somebody has faith, God will meet with them. I hope there's somebody else here that has faith today. Because the promise is where two or three are gathered. And I'm believing that God is with us today. And not just by the feelings of things, but I believe according to the promise that I believe that he's here with us today. And I believe that he's able to minister to needs that, that we have among us here today. Do you believe that? Now, the last thing I want to say is this. The third thing I want to say is this. That we, we are a people who look at situations through the cross. 
Now, in Hebrews 11, it describes the people of faith all through time. And it, and it says that how they lived, you know, expecting a better day and a better resurrection. They looked for, uh, you know, the promises. They never saw them come to pass in their day. But they waited for those promises to come to pass. And Brother Branham said they were looking to Calvary. But he said we look through Calvary. In other words, everything we look at, we look at through the blood that was shed for us. They never had, people in the Old Testament never had what we have. They were looking to the atonement. They were looking to the resurrection because that's what Job had taught and the prophets reiterated down through the ages. They had the promises of resurrection and they looked to Calvary. They looked to the paying for the penalty of sin. They looked to the time when they would not have to offer animals for sin anymore just for a covering. They looked to Calvary. They looked to Calvary with expectation and they looked to Calvary as the answer to their problems. We don't look to Calvary in that sense with expectation that it might happen. We look through Calvary because we believe it already has. God's paid the price. God's made the way, right? And in that atonement, in that atonement for, for the sin question, there is healing in that atonement. God put it in there, didn't he? He said, by his, by his stripes we are healed. And so there is, there, is, there is more included in the atonement than just the atonement for sin. There are benefits for us because of Calvary. And because of what Jesus did, we, are looking at, we look at everything through the fact that, hey, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven because of what happened at Calvary. I'm I'm not coming to God on the basis of how well I did last week. Neither am I coming to God on the basis of how happy everyone is with me. I would never come to God on the basis of how happy people are with me. Because there's a lot of people who don't understand me. And I'd have to join in that rank and say, I hardly do very often myself. I don't, I'm, we're not coming to God on the basis of we've done enough. I'm not coming to God on the basis of, you know, I've, I've thought all good thoughts and I've said all good things this week and, and, and never made any bad facial expressions and never said anything or disregarded something. I, I'm not coming to God on the basis of that at all. I'm coming to God on the basis of the fact that I know by faith he paid the price for me. And I stand in his sight as he looks at me red through red turns white. And that's the condition I stand in, in the eyes of God. So it's not because mom or dad think that I'm perfect or I've done everything right. It's not because, uh, you know, I, I, all the other factors that I've said there. We look at everything through the cross. We stand in a place where we realize, number one, that we are forgiven of our sins, that they're washed away, right? We believe that. Do you believe that you're forgiven of your sins? Number two, do you believe that he went to the cross because, simply because he loved you? For God so loved the world, he gave his son. And I can stand here and say for sure, even though I may not feel very lovable, and even though I may not feel very perfect in my feelings, I can at least rest assured on the fact that he loves me. Because he didn't have to come and die for me, but he did. So when we look at life through the eyes of Calvary, it's a little easier to believe that. 
We also have to believe this if we look at everything through Calvary, and that is this, that Jesus conquered everything that could be stacked against us, including death. So death has no tear to the blood-bought one. Glory, hallelujah, to the Lamb. And Paul even asked the question in Corinthians, and he says of death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is the victory? And Jesus has purchased that. Not only has he forgiven me, not only does he heal me, not only does he love me, but he has assured that when we die, we're not dead. Let me read you a little statement here. Brother Branham said, in Hebrews, talking about Hebrews 11, and they wandered in sheepskins and goatskins and was made destitute and sawn asunder. But Paul said, hey, they without us are not made perfect. For they only look to the cross, but we look through the cross. They look to the cross, but we look through it. In Victory Day, Brother Branham says the thing that we need to do, he said, God gives us the Bible. He said, that's our binoculars. And when we go looking to the, in the Bible and seeing four or five different ways, he said it needs focusing. What he's referring to is when he was out on a hunting trip and he had an Indian guide. And they handed him a pair of binoculars and he looked at it and he said, well, when I saw it, I saw four elk out there. He said, wow, this is great, but it's strange. And because uh, in the distance with his natural eye, he only saw one. But he said, I looked at the binoculars and there was four. And the Indian guide said to him, you need to focus it. And when he did, and he turned it the right way and got looking at it correctly, he said it brought it all into focus, and he said, I saw that elk close up. He said, we've got to bring the thing into a place where we see one solemn purpose for God. He said, other people have different ideas. But he, said, he said, they fail to get the glass in focus. God wants them to see one thing, and that's the innocent shed blood that was shed for our sins. God wants you to focus on one thing. Let me tell you, the devil is good at getting us to focus on all kinds of other things. There are all kinds of examples in the media, in our world, around us, and the problems of this life. Hey, we're always dealing with a split focus. Isn't that true? We always have a split focus because we're seeing <clears throat> multiple things instead of seeing one. And Brother Ram talks about this several times here, and he talks about, <clears throat> excuse me, he said that, uh, you know, he gives us the Word of God, but you need to be focused on it. And I say this, that it's becoming more challenging in our world for you to focus simply on one thing because there are so many distractions that are there. But nonetheless, he reminds us, just because it's hard doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. We should try to do it. Thank God we have church on Sundays and and Wednesdays. And when we do, thank God we have that. Because you know what? It brings you back into focus a little bit, doesn't it? It reminds you who you really are. It it, it speaks of good things, positive things, things that are straight, things that are not shadowy. And You know, in our world today, everything that you're told, you have to wonder, is that true? Where would you hear that? Where did that come from? What's the source of that? Who said that? Everything, everything we hear. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to death because, uh, you know, you can't, most times, we can't tell fake news from real news. We can't tell uh, what's true and what's not, what's 100% and what's not. I mean, uh, there, I mean, people who have, if they have an account, they have a voice. And people who have a voice in front of no audience, in other words, they're not standing in front of an audience like I am, they become emboldened to say all kinds of things that they want to say. Very powerfully and very much filled with anger 
that they can do because they're not in front of people and they don't have to deal with a response. It's one thing for me to, if I had a beef against Emmanuel here and said all kinds of things, he was my boss, and I said all kinds of things about him, how low down he was and how ugly he was and how, uh, you know, how much of a rascal he was, and those things may all be true, I don't really know, but nonetheless, I could say all of those things online because it's much easier to me having to stand there and tell him honestly how I feel about him. And so we have a world now where, where, you know, a great portion of the world is venting the things that they have. It's not all anger. It's not all negative. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying there's a whole lot out there that now makes everybody kind of question everything that's out there and say, well, is that true? Who said that? Where does it come from? What's the source of that? And you kind of, you know, then you realize, well, if some of it's true, some of it's not true. And you wonder, my goodness, what am I supposed to believe in? It's nice that we come to church and refocus, isn't it? It's nice that we can come to church and focus on the things that are true and the things that are right and the things that we don't need to worry about. Well, who said that? I can tell you who said it. Where does that come from? I can tell you exactly where it comes from. Not a problem. Not a question. It's nice to have something solid. nice to have something that we can believe. I will tell you something. That when it comes down to this whole subject here, I, I believe that when it comes to looking through Calvary, and I want you to think about this for a moment here. Jesus paid the price. We sing that song, right? Jesus paid it all, right? It would be like this. If I told Joe here that I said, Joe, I got a, I got a, a new Ford truck, a Lariat. It's a, 2000, it's a 2021, and it's loaded. It's got uh, enough seats for all your buddies. It's got all the bells and whistles on it, and I've already paid for it. It's already yours. And all you need to go down is take this letter, go down and show the manager and the car dealership, and the car is totally yours. It's already paid for. Uh, You can just drive it away. Would it make sense for Joe to go down to the dealership and knock on the door of the guy who, who processes loans? The, the loan guy. The door none of us want to go through, right? Would it make sense for Joe to go down there? It wouldn't make sense at all. You know why? Because it's been paid for. And he can just drive away in it. If I understand the Bible correctly, Jesus paid it all. You just need to drive away in it. You don't need to do a thing. You don't need to pay anything for something that's been totally paid for. He's already paid for it. Your job is to believe what I told you and go act on what is true. I've been a courier sometimes, you know, and going overseas, different brothers over there, and some brothers over there have been in contact with other ministers. I remember one time I was a courier for a well-known brother you know, a friend of ours, and and uh, they needed a whole new sound system in their church. It was about $5,000 or so. And uh, uh, I, he wrote me a, a check, and we, I, I cashed that check and took the cash and went overseas and gave it to the brother. And I said, here's the, here's the response, here's the, rea- uh, the, the uh, money for the need that you told this brother about. And he was so happy. He was so great, uh, so grateful for that. And Gave it to him, and they bought the sound system, and it was really a blessing in the church. Because there's no way in the world that they would have had. It would have took them years in order to accumulate that, that bunch of money. 
And you know what? I handed that money to the brother and told him where it came from, told the brother back, back overseas that it was given. And you know what? That brother who received the money, he never thanked me once. You know why? Because I didn't give him the money. Because it was not my money to give. And I'm here today to tell you that that's really all that I am. I don't want you to think that I have any power or anything in my own ability to be able to make somebody well. I'm just a carrier of the check. I'm just bringing the check to you. And letting you know that somebody cares about you. And it's bringing you something that's completely paid for and it's yours. Go to the bank with it. Enjoy what it is that you got it for. It's all I am. It's a carrier of the check. You know what? That's all Brother Branham was, was a carrier of the check. Brother Branham didn't die on Calvary's cross. When we look through the cross, we look at what Jesus did for us. And ever since, every minister has been a carrier of the check. That's all we are. It is important for us to understand that there are times when <clears throat> there are times when we should do everything we should do that makes sense. If, if we have a sickness and we're able to uh, get a medication for it, and I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a medication. Uh, I, I don't believe there's anything wrong with going to a hospital or a doctor. Not at all. I've seen some good results. All doctors are not perfect, but neither are all preachers who deliver the check. Are they perfect, right? And uh, God has avenues of healing. God has different avenues of healing, and I think that's, that's true. I think in the message, uh, I think, you know, in a sense, we've become kind of spoiled. And I'll just be honest with you. This is not a criticism that I have ever heard here, and I, I, would, never, uh, I would never say that if I did, but I've never heard this criticism here. But I believe in the message community in general, that we are quick to lay hands on people if they have a physical sickness and a physical need. But if somebody goes through a season of depression or they go through some sort of a mental struggle or psychological issue, that's real and genuine. Now, I'm not just talking about a bad mood or an angry person, but I'm talking about somebody has a genuine emotional need in their life. A lot of times we'll stand back, oh, that's just psychology. Come on, folks, that's true. You don't need to say anything. I've heard this. Years, for years and years and years. And so I went back and I did a thorough study back in the message and found all kinds of places where Brother Branham found all kinds of people who were struggling with all kinds of problems. And many of them were not even physical. They were emotional ones. And, and in a sense, we've made people who struggle with certain things feel bad for coming forward because they feel like they're not even going to be acknowledged or accepted as having a genuine need for prayer. But let me tell you something. I'll just tell you flat out. I believe that Jesus Christ loves you and I believe he sees everything you go through. There's nothing you can hide from God. And I believe that he's got remedies for everything that you face. I said I believe he's got remedies for everything you face. Many, many times those needs are just as legitimate and just as real as anything that everybody will go through when they break a bone. Somebody who's going through menopause or somebody who's going through, you know, a, a problem, a, you know, a disappointments that trigger other things in their life. I, hey, listen, there are things that are real that people go through. Some people are born with conditions. Some people are born predisposed to certain things. 
and it's just kind of a weakness in their personality or in their person that's there. Brother Branham was that kind of a person, and he describes it himself. You go down, you look at Uniting Time and Sign, look at the introduction there Brother Branham gives about himself, and he said how I thought, you know, nobody loves me. This is 1963, and Brother Branham says, you know, he said, I was just so blue the other day, I was thinking nobody loves me. And, and, you know, it would be easy to say, Brother Branham, snap out of it, it's not true. But I'm telling you, that's how he feels. And the remedy for that problem, in that case, the remedy for that problem is me and you. When you know of somebody who's going through a difficult time, it's good to have brethren around you and believers around you that can put your arm around you. And they might not have a solution. They might not have an answer to all your problems. But you know what? They're just demonstrating the simple fact that they care about you and that they love you. And sometimes that kind of love and that kind of expression does a multitude of good. It does a lot of good for people. It surely does. And I'll tell you this. I believe that, you know, whatever we go through, I think the important first step, the first step in any case, whether it's pregnancy, whether it's depression, or whether it's any kind of sickness or diagnosis, and before you get to the doctor, and even before you get to Google, I think the first thing that you should do is bring that need to God. That's what Brother Branham did in his family. Whenever there was something come up, they would pray first. And then they would look at it and, you know, different, they would, they would, uh, he would uh, consult doctors and different things, you know, in his life he's done that. And, uh, of course, now, you know, he, he's, Brother Branham was, uh, had a gift and sometimes those things were handled supernaturally, sometimes in his own family, sometimes not. We know that that's true. And Brother Branham received criticism one time because, uh, number one, that he had taken a shot going overseas. And number two, he went to the doctor and brought his kids to the doctor because they had the flu. And this is a quotation from Taken Sides with Jesus. And he said, they wanted to uh, blight it. They wanted to put a mark against me. And he said, every time a child gets sick, one of his children, he takes them to the doctor. This is what they said about Brother Branham. Every time a child gets sick, he said, one of his children, he takes them to a doctor. Brother Bram's response to that is this. He said, sure I would. And he said, I'll ask God to help him before I go there. I'll ask God to help my sick child before I go there. Listen to what he says. Then if the doctor can do nothing about it, then I'll take him up a little higher. In other words, you always have a resource for healing, as long as God exists. There are times when a doctor will do their very best and not be able to come to a complete resolution of the problem. That's true. Doctors are only human, right? Ask them. We have some here. Sometimes there are multiple things in there, complications that make a problem, the resolution of a problem difficult. But I will tell you this. That we are a people, I believe this is very true, I believe that we are a people who should never be hopeless because we can always go a step higher. We can always ascend higher into his presence. And to me, that's what great faith does. Great faith is in the realm of mature faith. A faith that says, you know what? Even, even if I die, even if I die, I believe that God loves me. I believe that God loves me. And I have no fear of death because I'm looking at everything through the eyes of Calvary. 
I'm looking through Calvary. I'm not looking to Calvary. I'm looking through Calvary. And I realize that uh, there are some situations that God deals with individually that we don't always understand, like Paul. And Paul sought God several times. And he said, hey, my grace is sufficient. We don't always understand that. You remember Garnet Peaks and how that he was a young boy, had polio. And Brother Brandon preached his funeral. And he said God could have healed, God could have taken care of Garnet. But he said he took him, he took him uh, in, the, in the prime of life. He said he took him over on the other side. And uh, he said that was, just, that was just God's way. He said, and he saved Garnet from a lot of things. He said he would have gotten out among different things and he just was that way. It's almost like Brother Branham knew what his future might have been. It's the way he talks about it. But you know, when we go out and pick flowers for a bouquet, when we try to decorate our table and pick flowers, which ones do you pick? Do you pick the old, withered, dead ones whenever you touch them and all the leaves fall off? Do you cut those down and say, oh, here we go. They're no more good in the garden, so we'll make a bouquet of these. No. Sometimes we take those young and fresh things that are there. Forgive the analogy, but I believe that sometimes God knows exactly what he's doing and who he's taking over on the other side. But I will say this to you. And saints of God, and I just I want to stop and end with this. I just want to say that I believe that when we look at things through Calvary, we realize that he's paid a price, and he paid that price and suffered what he did because he loves you and he cares for you. And, and we thank God for doctors and for medicines and all the other things that are provided for us, especially in our world. We, we're, we are blessed to have all the resources that we have. But I will tell you what, that... Even when there's nowhere else to turn, we always have a place to turn. You don't need to be like that little girl who's hiding behind the telephone pole because she thought King George didn't see her. You need to come out and say, hey, it might have been true for King George, but I know that Jesus sees me no matter what I go through. And I believe he cares about me. Let's stand to our feet. I wonder could our musicians come. He's a keeper of covenants, and he's a keeper of promises. He's a keeper of his word. And he's faithful. And he loves us. Sometimes we just have to be ready to invest it all, especially when you've used up your resources and you have nowhere else to turn you have to be willing to say things like this or whatever it takes I'm willing to give it all I'm willing to lay it all down I'm willing to do that forgive me if you've heard this little story before but I'd like just to say this that there was a fellow one time who was lost in the desert out somewhere in a desert area no water didn't know where he was going in a loop and he just couldn't find his way out at all finally stumbled on a little shack and in this shack he found him uh, he said there was nothing in there that he could see but an old rusty pump a water pump an old rusty one and he cranked and cranked and cranked nothing happened cranked and cranked nothing happened and he was pretty despondent by this time because he hadn't drunk water in a couple of days and so he's pretty defeated tried again nothing happened when he cranked the pump and then finally he looked around and he he, he saw a little a lid of a, a, a jar, and he dug around, and sure enough, here was a, a, a bottle, a gallon bottle 
of water. But on the gallon, the bottle, there was a note. And the note said, take this gallon of water and pour it down the pump to prime it. And you'll get all the water you need. But it requires all the water in this bottle. He's faced with a challenge. Do I believe this and do I pour all the water down that pipe? Nothing is happening when I pumped it. Do I pour all the water down there or what do I do? He had to make a choice. It was either give all the water to that pump or just drink that water that he had in a jug and then go on his way. And he came to a place where he was desperate enough that he knew he needed lots of water. He took the jar of water and he poured it down the pipe. He started to crank again. And when he cranked, nothing happened for a while. And all of a sudden, there was a little spit that came out of the pump. And he kept pumping even more feverishly. And a little bit more came out. A little trickle came out. And finally, he heard that gurgling sound. And that water just gushed out of there. It was cold. It was clear. And he had all the water that he needed. He filled the jug, drank the jug, filled the jug, poured it over himself, kept going. And the water was flowing. And he had lots of it. The note said that when you're finished, make sure you refill the bottle and put it back. So he did that. He took all the water he needed, filled the bottle back up, and he was just going to put it back down where he found it. He took out his pen and he wrote one more thing on the label. He said, this really works. <laughs> I'm here to tell you today. I'm just a carrier of the check, but I'm here to tell you today. It really works. Divine healing is real. And divine healing for whatever needs you have is real. But when we have a service like this and we're willing to pray for folks, don't limit God to just saying, I have a pain or an ache or I have a headache or whatever else. Hey, a prophet came and taught us to ask big. You got people that are unsaved in your family? You should pray for them. You got other people that are in desperate situations? You should pray for them. Let me ask you this. What have you got to lose? There comes a point where you've got to take the whole jug, pour the whole jug in there and say, I'm going for it. I'm going to, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to do it all. I'm going to invest in this. And I'm here to tell you it's true. God's word is true. What I do and what people do, hey, that's really inconsequential at this point. There comes places in, in, in your life where, you know what, it's all or none. I'm going to pour the whole thing down the, down the tube because I believe it's right. I am the Lord, your healer. Just close your eyes, just worship Him today. I am the God. That healeth thee, I am the Lord, your healer. You. Heal your disease, I am the Lord, your healeth me I 
Oh 
All around 
Thou art called. 
Come on now, lift your voice. Cry and save you. And I'm crying, save you. Oh, save you. Broken 
today. Lord, how refreshing it always is and how, how rich it always is, Lord. You always have good things for us. And 
We just want to thank you, Lord, because we know you do care about even little things that we go through. Things, Lord, that sometimes never get told out and they get buried and they we just kind of hang on to them for years and years. But, Lord, there's some things you don't want to see show up in the millennium. Some things you don't want to see show up in us. Because when we make that step, it's forever. And so we want to be right. We want to be right. Transform us, I pray. Heal us, I pray. We give you the people. We give you their needs. Those that are listening by way of the Internet, we commit them to you. Thank you, Lord, because you're still a healer today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. For those on the internet, we're going to let you go. God bless you. We thank you for being with us today. And we'll ask the congregation just to wait for a moment here, if you would. Um, let's sing that little chorus uh, as.